to start this off with a uh, what-if scenario that occurred to me last night as I saw the results of what appeared to be another soul-crushing one nothing loss from Jacob deGrom. I have an idea that is going to fix two baseball pro- problems at once, and I can't believe no one has ever thought of this before, but we need to combine the Angels and the Mets. Because hear me, hear me out on this. That means that Jacob deGrom is going to have Mike Trout in the lineup for every game he pitches, and Mike Trout is going to be on a team that has Jacob deGrom and Shohei Otani at the top of its rotation. Like, it can't miss. You would think it can't miss. That sounds great to me. And both of these teams are teams where every year when we go into uh, who's going to be in the playoffs, who's going to win divisions, I look at the rosters and I go, okay, at some point that that should work. I'm looking at it and every, there's a lot of good people here and that should amount to something and it doesn't. So I wonder if combining, it seems like combining them, that should be an amazing team, but would it be even worse somehow <laughs> is the other question. <laughs> the ultimate soul crushing machine. Yes. That uh, no matter who they bring in, that Francisco Lindor and Joe Baden's combined awesomeness somehow can't lift it above the second place or third place mediocrity it's consigned to like, some, somehow, like, they would pitch games where J- Jacob deGrom would go, like, strike out 18 in a game, Mike Trout would go four for four, and they'd somehow figure out a way to score negative runs. It, does, it simply doesn't make sense, and I'm looking at it, and I have these guys on my fantasy team, so I'm seeing what they do all the time, and uh, it, I, it, I know there's a wins above replacement stat. And I, do, if you get too many, does it become like a win equal to replacement? It, se- <laughs> it seems like it's crossed the Rubicon in some way uh, that, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And watching in it, it seems like a bit to watch DeGrom lose his one nothing games. It's like hack. Yeah. It's hack for him to do, <laughs> to have to lose these games. Yeah. It's, it's like, and I, I, I bet that part of it is like, it's very psychological at this point, too, because the Mets lineup has to all know, OK, the pressure is on to score two runs. Can we score two runs for this guy? And it's also that way in an environment where hitting the ball is harder than it's ever been in baseball history. So I, I got to imagine you add that pressure together and uh, and pile on the fact that you're going up against pitchers who like even the mediocre guys are mostly throwing 95 like that's got to be a decent explanation for why this is happening. Yeah. It, it, it just, it, it, it is yeah, right. There's so, I guess there's so many guys who approach a level of talent that used to be rare uh, in that way, you know um, that it's yeah, that I guess it equals the playing field in some way, but uh, it is strange to watch it. May, I guess it's, it's, it's a thing that makes you feel a little better. if The team you're rooting for is not doing as well. It's like, I guess these crazy inexplicable things uh, also, I guess these crazy inexplicable things happen to other teams too. Yeah, it, it's almost like DeGrom and Trout, their fates at the end of the season exist to vindicate mad dog. And that infuriates me. Like you look back yes. on these guys having historic years and yet you look at how the angels and the Mets finish and the response is like, don't tell me about wins above replacement. Tell me about wins on the field. 
Oh my God. Yeah. It's absolutely, it's the argument of like LeBron, uh, using LeBron's finals losses against him. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of shit where it's just like you, <laughs> where you, uh, a, a brain that cannot see individual excellence and hold it at the same time while realizing that doesn't actually, <laughs> it's not actually a God power. It seems like it, but it's not God power. There are other elements to sports. There are other players on the field. So these guys can be better than everybody. And yet that doesn't make your own team go undefeated. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, cause if it did work that way, the Gehrig and Ruth Yankees would have won more. I think, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> they did not go undefeated. They did, you know, like they, yeah. and looking at how the, the talent around the rest of the league was nothing near the parody that it is now, you know, that, that's um, a good point uh, yeah. off the top of my head. I believe Babe Ruth won a total of, I want to say six world series. And half of those were when he was pitching with the Red Sox. I mean, he lost at least three World Series off the top of my head, I know, when he was with the Yankees and a force that nobody had ever seen in baseball history. So, yeah, that underlines the fact yeah. that one player can only do so damn much in this game. And it's, it's, it's right. what makes it wonderful <laughs> and, and, and the, Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that is a thing that's different from, you know, from basketball and different, even, even different from football, even though there's a ton of players, the quarterback just carries so, so much more weight than everybody else. Um, and you know, like <laughs> Shohei is, has stumbled a little bit pitching here, but I guess like seeing Shohei playing as he is this year is coming the closest to someone who could just <laughs> win a game by themselves, I guess in baseball, but even, the, but even so, I mean, I guess if Shohei throws a shutout and hits a homer, boom, that's it. That's done. <laughs> that's the game. You can't do anything else about it, but there's a, besides that. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to watch these the, everything Jason, uh, everything Jacob Degrom is doing, and that leading to losses in a way it was three years ago too, and uh, and it seems the Mets have put a lot of talent around them, and it seems like the Angels. I mean, the Angels yeah. signing Rendon that was a big friggin' deal. It's, that it, you know, it's like decision. Justin Upton's not nothing. There's players. Yeah, there's players on this team. There's a Hall of Famer. I mean, Pujols isn't Pujols anymore, but like, they there appear to be players on the team mm-hmm. too. I it's it's hard to understand. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but one thing that is not hard to understand: this is the Three Strikes Are Out podcast, part of the Outsports Podcast Network, the Outsports Baseball Podcast, episode number seventy-three, the Adbert Alzale episode of Three Strikes You're Out. My name is Ken Schultz, contributing writer to Outsports, Baseball Prospectus, and stand-up comedian, fully vaxxed, and ready to actually tell jokes, which is kind of fun. The other voice you're hearing is friend of the pod, host of Away Games podcast, Kevin McCaffrey is back to uh, talk about stuff that is infuriating, but then awesome as well. Good to see you, sir. (laughs) Hey, yeah, good to see you, too. That's so much of life, you know? Yeah. Um, So much of life on a good day, infuriating, but also maybe a little bit awesome. And uh, yeah, baseball, as they say, is the one constant through all the years, Ray. So we're going to, yeah, just kind of start in that profound manner. (laughs) Baseball is life. Sometimes life can be great. And on that subject, let's dive right into, can we make the whole season out of Padres Dodgers, please? Yeah, this this has been, it's been really good. And it's weird that it's, it's a thing that I feel like was buzzy in baseball, nerd circles before this people talking about how awesome it'll be to see San Diego and and the Dodgers play each other. You look at the rosters, they're amazing and they're beyond amazing. They're it's cool that they're 
two amazing rosters in different ways too. It's like San Diego just keeps stacking fun dudes up. <laughs> and the Dodgers have guys who the Dodgers who have guys who are very fun too, but there is an element of the Dodgers are just like you look at the board and everyone is really good to extremely good with little variation and there a lot of them are good in a similar way and San Diego is chaotic good more so I think looking at that team. Uh, with Tatis and Darvish and Machado and uh, all those dudes. And Jake Cronenworth has weird skills that other people don't have too. And uh, and the fact that they don't like each other is fun too. It's been really good. Yeah, yeah. I love that this series, in terms of fun guys, and the, they picked the two most fun guys that we talked about actually in our season preview episode. This is going to come down to like a Mookie Betts versus Fernando Tatis. And we had games already where both of them went off and kind of made it their game between Mookie's like 10% catch probability, game-ending diving catch in the second game of the San Diego series, and then Tatis clowning Trevor Bauer, and then clowning Clayton Kershaw, and just going off while it was in Los Angeles the whole time. Like, give me as much of that as you can and check that into my veins. Absolutely. And to the fact that Tatis had a different Trevor Bauer specific bit <laughs> for every one of his homers that he didn't use them all up on one. He did. <laughs> I think the eye thing was great covering up the eye, obviously, because t- Trevor was doing his dumbass. I'm so I, I I'm covering one eye to make it difficult. Trevor, you've been good twice. Like you don't <laughs> need to actually t- uh, give yourself that many obstacles, but he did the uh, uh Fernando covering up the eye going around the the bases looking back at the dugout covering the night. Wonderful. And then the second homer having a different Trevor Bauer specific bit. I want to see Tatis's <laughs> notebook What's his set list? How deep <laughs> does it go? And uh, like, I, I, if he hit a third home run that game, he would have tested the rule book because he would have ended up with agent Rachel Luba on his shoulders <laughs> running around those bases. <laughs> I I'm trying to think of what else you could do that isn't actually like borderline uh, illegal harassment in terms of parodying Trevor Bauer. And it's it's hard to figure out. I, I think of him doing like that little stutter step mambo step he does at third base for every home run trot and then finishing it by jumping on top of a MAGA hat right in front of Bauer just to see him cry. <laughs> that, I, I, that would be, that would be great. We need a four Homer game. We need yeah. a, we need a, We need a four Homer Tatis <laughs> versus Bauer to get through everything he has up his sleeve. Yeah. Trevor Bauer to me that there are so many, personality traits to assign to him and none of them good like what you mentioned in terms of him covering up one eye during spring training and then informing the media that this is what he's doing Trevor Bauer on the mound with behavior like that seems to me a guy that looks at somebody like Zach Greinke who is legitimately interesting quirky and fun and baseball players love him because he's honest and Trevor Bauer looks at that and goes I can be quirky too watch this media one million percent it's it is contrived forced quirkiness knowing how it's gonna look and he doesn't even trust that people will catch it that's why he tells you about it and then the media the the mainstream baseball media is so fucking dumb that they will just listen to him 
tell them what's interesting and they go, oh, well, that's interesting. They, there's no bit of critical thought in the middle there for anyone who comes out on the side of Trevor Bowers. You know, he really, he he's candid though. He tells it like it is. He doesn't tell shit like it is. He called, he, he called uh, out everyone for the accentuated spin rates. Okay, that's something that's, that's saying something. Uh, he said exactly how you can increase those spin rates. And then as soon as his spin rates increased, he clammed up because this is how people like this work they only are candid about very specific things which makes them not really candid it's a manufactured thing top to bottom and he is a fucking he's he's a twinkie he is completely (laughs) artificial top to bottom and he won't go away (laughs) and the only the only time he's really 100 percent himself and honest is when he's being the most terrible person in the room and that happened again over this this weekend uh, during, did you see his Twitter feud with Fernando Tatis? Because uh, that, I mean, that was Trevor Bauer. No, swoon. I didn't see. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, and this is kind of on the subject of Trevor Bauer himself being a cheat. Uh, oddly enough, also has no problem accusing other players, other great players of cheating. Uh, like started a thing with Tatis after the two home runs oh, and I- put it the next day saying, hey, you're peeking at the catcher. Uh, and he phrased it, and I can got to mm. call it up here just one second. Uh, the way he phrased it was actually I did not, see, yeah. Um, if you need to know what pitch is coming that badly, just ask Daddy nicely next time, Tatis Jr. You know I ain't scared, homie. So okay, that's trash talk. That's fine. We can uh, the ball players do that. Tatis responded very simply uh, in Spanish. I believe it's tranquilo hijo. Uh, and I know I'm butchering the hell out of that because I took German for four years in high school. <laughs> it's not fun to yell. Uh, but I think that... <laughs> what if Tatis just tweeting German at him? <laughs> uh, Trevor Bauer would understand German tweets a lot better, I think, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I went he there. He sure would. <laughs> uh, but I think that translates essentially to calm down son, which, okay, good response. Trevor Bauer's response to that. Yes. And this this is where the real Trevor Bauer shows up. You and Manny do make a really pretty cute couple after all. Third ex- exchange in this. He goes to the, huh, you're so gay, dude, response. Like, it's it's like what would happen yeah. if you got in a roast battle with Gutfeld. <laughs> yeah, because it, do- it also doesn't make sense. It's not even, it, it, it's... Like, it's a thing where I'm like, okay, I get that this is a gay joke for you, but I don't get why it is. Nothing specifically happened with him and Machado. I mean, so we're adding a little bit of just like, is it because they're the Spanish guys? (laughs) Like, these are are the the Spanish-speaking dudes on the left side of the infield. Is that why we're tying them together? Why why doesn't Tatis make a cute couple with Jake Cronenworth, Trevor Bauer? (laughs) Do you not not allow interracial homophobia in your uh, your fake jokes? That's too bad. it's, like it, yeah. It's just it's corny. It's not funny, and it's weird that Bauer hasn't tried to hire freelancers from Gutfeld or from someone else <laughs> to make some of this shit make sense. He puts an ad on Craigslist. Do you have a quirky and humorous point of view? If so, please apply to Bauer out. <laughs> it, it free it, thinkers it, only, baby. The, the idea that you're you're making a you're so gay joke and you go right to that that that's your go-to in the year of our lord 2021 like bauer tweets <laughs> like 
like he's always expecting a high five from the villain in a 1980s ski movie. It's, it's, ugh. Yeah. It, yeah, yes. And I don't know, it, it's weird because I don't know what other players are on his side, really. Like, who is he getting the high five from? Who is the villain? And there's plenty of baseball players whose views I'm sure we find repugnant on our favorite teams who... Mm-hmm. It, that who he would you would think he would sync up with that way but it seems like none of them care enough like it seems like he's so dislikable that even people who have completely irredeemable views are like but i'm not hanging with that guy though like he <laughs> doesn't seem to have baseball friends yeah there, there's something sad and lonely about being that guy despite the fact that he has the richest contract and he has a cy young award uh it's it's like nobody right. wants to be around you man because and you'd feel bad about him not knowing how to socialize except the only time he does you see why he does he gets that response it's it's like yeah it's yeah. exactly he doesn't he doesn't he's not putting anything good out in the world in that yeah. way like he has a strong arm he throws a couple of interesting pitches you know there's there's there is baseball value in these things yeah. um but yeah it's it, it is a bummer that the guy who it seems like baseball media seems to focus on the most uh, in terms of a personality is a guy like that, as yeah. opposed to, I mean, Tatis gets, Tatis gets plenty of news coverage now, but it's, it's not the same that Bauer gets. And the fa- it's also offensive to me that like, I, I'm not offended by any of Trevor Bauer's bigotry. Cause it's unsurprising to me. Uh, and it, it just fits him very well. What's what is, what does offend me is how he gets smart guy credit from people yeah. in the media. This is a dumbass. This is an <laughs> actual dumb human being. He's a stupid man. Like don't, don't, <laughs> There's nothing he's doing that's intelligent. He started a fucking YouTube page. He's baseball's PewDiePie. That's all this guy (laughs) is. That's not, there's no secret talent we're not understanding here. Yeah. He gets all the smart guy cred because they got, they wrote a book about him going to driveline and learning about customizing pitch grips. But as we already covered, we know the reason why he got better as a pitcher and it ain't because of the work he's put in. Uh, And meanwhile, The pitcher who is also in this series, who is legit a smart guy, legit an interesting guy, very legit, funniest man in baseball, Hugh Darvish, uh, was amazing in two starts. And I was watching the Friday night game in Los Angeles where he uh, beat Kershaw the second time around. And something that stuck out to me about just what an incredible personality he is to follow is that they brought up on the Dodgers broadcast a interview that he did with the LA Times leading into this series. And I'm gonna, I kind of paraphrase the quote because I don't remember it directly, but essentially he wanted to tell the Dodger fans, hey, uh, I know we've had a thing before and I know you now understand there are deeper reasons why I lost when I did. Booing is fun. Booing is a lot of fun to do at the ballpark. So when you go to the game and you see me pitching, don't worry about my feelings, let it go. And how cool is that? That's that someone who is able to be like that self-confident, but also that in tune with the way fans think. Yeah. In tune with the way fans think and it's, and to also be friendly about it and to, 
you know, to acknowledge a truth that we all know now, but it's not excuse making. It's, you know, it's coming to peace with this for him. And it's, and that just, I mean, that does show just genuine intelligence from a person who's able to think through it in that way. And that is, and I think it, humor and intelligence can be shown in, uh, to me, in a, if someone reacts to something in a surprising way, that makes sense. This is a surprising way for a be- for a baseball player to respond to something. You Darvish doing that. Yeah. And nothing Trevor Bauer does is surprising. You yeah. know, like it's just it's basic ass hot takes is all yeah. he does. Like you Darvish is this extremely thoughtful and seemingly kind man in several languages. He also is pretty good on YouTube, FYI. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got that too. Um yeah, just really a, a really a, a a very cool guy and with a, a, an unreasonable amount of self-awareness there, I think, too. Yeah. And I, I wonder if some of that might be like you compare their backgrounds a Trevor Bauer, you know, suburban Southern California kid that gets to go to UCLA and is gets to go to this elite uh, baseball preparatory institution that he then puts on the map by telling people about the uh, to write a book about it. You Darvish growing up half Iranian, half Japanese in a country where if you don't conform, that's not cool. And is a six foot five giant <laughs> yeah. human being who stands out everywhere he goes. Like you, Darvish is going to have a unique perspective on the world based just on that alone. Absolutely, and a guy who's been who's been huge uh, in his own country on a cultural level that I mean, Bauer couldn't possibly understand from an earlier age. You know, I mean. Darvish was extremely famous as a teen, you know, I mean, he was, he's been huge in Japan for a very long time. And he's been huge in America for a very long time, too, in such in a a weird in three very different markets now too. Dallas, Texas, basically, is where his introduction to the United States was and then a cub for a few years and had uh, an extremely tough beginning with the Cubs too, with injuries and 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 uh, poor performance too, related to those injuries, and some maybe not. But uh, then having like another late career resurgence uh, or mid mid late career, who knows? I mean, this guy's a physical freak with with pitching talent that's rarely been seen in in this era. Um, but yeah, he he has a, had a very unique and interesting life. And as a Cub fan, I'm also excited that he gets to hang out with a catcher who he has built a really nice relationship with. And in the games you're talking about, it was so fun to watch you Darvish get an out. I believe it was in, it was either the sixth or seventh inning. He got, I believe, it was the second out. And then to watch Victor Caratini, uh, his personal catcher from Chicago, who was traded over with him, basically gesture at the dugout, stay back there. We keep let you stay. We're going to get this one. Is so, I mean, it's just exciting to watch people like each other and to watch people believe in each other and root for each other. And uh, that was that was one of my favorite things from that whole series. Yeah. Padres fans have got to start a let you stay, let you stay chant every time it goes out. <laughs> Yes. Uh, real quick before we spring you here, uh, I want to ask just off the top of your head, can you think of any other April series in your time as a baseball fan that has gotten you as excited to watch as Padres Dodgers this past weekend? non Like early season, April, uh, like, right. Yeah, any- uh, I mean, I'm, it's pretty hard. I mean, there have been, I don't think, 
I've been as excited about a series. There have been some really good, you know, Braves Nets series over the years. There have been obvious, obviously, the Yankees and Red Sox had plenty of very good series in the 2000s, uh, obviously. But in terms of like this kind of fun, these Padres have the fun quotient to me of like mid 90s. Indians mid 90s Mariners yeah. like like a group of very like young and exciting dudes so almost like but neither of those teams really had I mean honestly it's a playoff series but like Mariners Yankees is almost mm-hmm. of the mid 90s is, is almost a comp to me but no I can't really I mean what regular can you think of a regular season series that's this fun I, I want to drop one comp on you. It's the only one I could think of in terms of that scale of just how much I really was looking forward to it and how much it lived up to the hype. A-Rod's first game at Fenway Park as a Yankee in terms of the preseason. Mm. That was the Aaron Boone game leading into the first game of that year. And then that catastrophic offseason where the Red Sox thought they had him, lost him, and he went to the Yankees. And that was just as soon yes. as that trade was made. Everybody circled that date at Fenway as okay. Let's let's see what this is going to look like and watch the people of Boston welcome him the way you know you'd be welcome to the town or Goodwill Hunting, I suppose. And uh, yeah, that's that's the only one. <laughs> yes, yeah, that is uh, that. Yeah, that's a that's a great call. And I think you do for something to reach the level that this series that these these series have have reached. You need obviously the teams have to be good. The baseball stuff within these games has to be good, which doesn't always happen between yeah. good teams, too. And we've been lucky that it that it has thus far. And there has to be, like with the A-Rod thing, there has to be some sort of personal element in some way, too, to heighten it, I think. You know, and uh, the, and A-Rod, there are the Red Sox feeling like they almost had him, and then of course the Yankees get him, this, this star at the height of his powers. And in this series, it's kind of like, you know, the Dodgers just added Bauer, who mm-hmm. is... You know, he's the reigning Cy Young winner and very hateable. So that for <laughs> in that sense, you know, it's re- it's wrestling, man. It's, you know, faces and heels. You want to see the heel get beat. I yep. absolutely want to see the heel get beat. So uh, and then you, you've got the exciting young baby face and Tatis who's coming into his own um, here, too. And it's I mean, it's just amazing how many players we don't name in this. I mean, yeah. the, the, from these teams, you know, you barely mentioned Mookie Betts. And then it's like. You know, Cody Bellinger's been hurt a little bit, but Corey Seager's amazing, and yeah. and Manny Machado's friggin' yeah. really good. Yeah. Still, Blake Snell also you know? a Cy Young winner. Uh, yeah, it's oh, all you, these pitchers. Yeah, all, all these great players and on um, these teams, and we spent the majority of this episode talking Trevor Bauer, which is exactly what he wanted. God damn it! I know, and and we 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 failed, and uh, <laughs> in that sense only. Yeah. But uh, but I th- but I think our points were well made at yeah. least. Do you have anything to plug? Will I still have you? You're good, sir. Oh, I mean, you know, if you like baseball stuff, if you're listening to this, I hope maybe you do. You can uh, myself and uh, Adam Mamawala, another comedian, host a Cubs podcast. It's a baseball overall podcast, but uh, it's mainly a Cubs podcast, and we have. Uh, we're getting a lot of players on on the on the podcast. We're getting a lot of inter- uh, a lot of people to interview uh, in the minor league levels. Specifically, we've had some uh, some older retired players on telling stories, and we always have a good time. It's uh, the Away Games podcast, and that's on Twitter, Instagram at Away Games Pod. 
And uh, yeah, we just had uh, just recorded with the Cubs top prospect, Brennan Davis. So that's coming out soon. I cannot wait to hear that because there is a lot of organizational pressure on Brennan Davis to live up to the top prospect type, given how barren the minor leagues have been the past two or three years. And I'd like to hear how he responds yes. to that. So that'll be a fascinating interview. Well, I will tell you the, the only... The, the the only spoiler I'll tell you from that is we asked him how it's different uh, between after being in Major League Spring Training and then going back to the minors, and he was struggling to come up with what the difference is, and I think it, basically we decided uh, it's because in the majors they treat you like a human being, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was interesting to hear that perspective from a guy in the minors who's like, we're all trying to get out of there, you know, um, so yeah, it was good good time you get to be treated like a human being but you still have to deal with tom ricketts so in the end it evens out i suppose <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes uh, exactly kevin you are one of my favorite human beings as always my friend great to talk to you oh thanks man ditto thanks for having me let's watch more of these games maybe in person soon say yes yes <laughs> <laughs>